The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Cabinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark, and with me, as mainly always, is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. How are you, Elliot? It's cold. Oh, it's cold. No, no one told me it was going to be this cold. I, 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 I know that Groundhog uh, said six more weeks of winter, but damn it, did it have to be this Ragnarok type winter? Yeah, uh, I made the big mistake of finding a place to move this week. So uh, I went to look at the place in six degrees, and it seemed great to me, probably because I was able to go inside. No. <laughs> so I was like, I'll live here now. And, th- and now I'm starting to pack up, and my storage space is one building over, and I'm like, maybe I don't need too many things. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a lot of things. <laughs> but speaking of things, there's a lot happening uh, this week. I think this is going to end up being several podcasts. So if you're listening to this, you're like, why aren't they talking about that? We're going to get to it. There's been uh, like crazy announcements in the world of streaming, in the world of Hasbro uh, and toys, and in the world of um, comiXology, which is a sore spot for Elliot and I. Um, This is something we have loved and nurtured and invested in. And uh, like the scorpion and the turtle, (laughs) Amazon said, you know, we're going to bite you. Yeah, Jeff Bezos basically said, we're, you know, Comixology is going to go live on a farm upstate, you know, but you'll learn to love, you know, what what I have for you now. Which is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is your very old Kindle. (laughs) But uh, as we were talking about this and we're going to get into it, Elliot, uh, Elliot said, I know somebody who's an expert in the situation. So Elliot, uh, why don't you bring in Todd? Yes, uh, Todd Allen, he is a uh, features writer for The Beat, as well as the author of The Economics of Digital Comics. We're saying that if, if there's anyone right now who you want to talk to when it comes to the state of uh, digital media and comics, it's this man, Todd Allen. How you doing, Todd? I'm warming up. <laughs> Let it just be said, we didn't leave him outside and didn't bring him in. Todd's in his own home. I don't know what the thermostat situation is there. It's 40 degrees now. It's better. (laughs) Todd is also wearing the greatest fez this side of Matt Smith. And uh, he's making our Saturday afternoon very much a weekend. So, Todd, how are your feelings about comiXology before the times? Well, you knew this was going to happen is the thing. Um, When Amazon buys things, it usually subsumes them into the mothership. Uh, Audible is sort of the exception to this because it has its own subscription package and its own website. But, you know, even when they bought CreateSpace to do their print-on-demand books, that's now just a function of the Kindle Direct platform. Now, if you want to make a joke that, yeah, print isn't Kindle, 
go right ahead, but they just snuck it right in there anyway. Uh, this is probably something that's been in play for, well, definitely a year and a half, but probably more like three to five years. Uh, it really shouldn't come as that much of a surprise to anyone. That said, I don't think they probably lay off the entire staff if they didn't have all the other layoffs going on. So it's a really big question mark right now because most of the questions we have, nobody knows. Yeah, there's been really poor communication coming out of Coxology. Elliot and I have been talking about this on the podcast as it's been going. Um, I really got into it about five years ago uh, when Amazon already owned it, but I noticed how good their sales were. You know, they would have Marvel Masterworks for $5. They would have every Spider-Man for $0.99. Cents, and I just started to build a digital library that uh, rivaled and then eclipsed my print library. And then when the changeover from the app happened, it was like it was like a seismic quake underneath my collection. And I don't know if my collection is going to survive. It'll survive. So here's the thing. For Amazon to take something off, as near as I can tell, that usually has to be an issue of they were never supposed to have the rights in the first place. So it's going to be initiated more by a publisher. Is Marvel going to want to tell Amazon, hey, take away all of our customers' comics? I find that unlikely. Is DC going to want to do that? I find it unlikely. If Elliot starts self-publishing, well, that might be a different issue. You because Elliot doesn't have the leverage that Disney and Warner Brothers would have. Well, no, but, but Elliot can pull his stuff. He's that kind of guy. He's mercurial. <laughs> That's why you can't find any of my stuff on Comixology. I pulled it all. <laughs> You're like angry cat down. Ask for asking Obama down because you have the rights to everything you wrote. Um, th th there's a. Th it's funny though, Todd. You say you don't think Amazon is going to do it unless there's a rights issue. Like just recently, um, I have Amazon Music, and there's this weird uh, thing I ran into where the soundtrack to the movie Streets of Fire has a song by The Fix called "Deeper and Deeper" on it. Amazon deleted that song from the soundtrack. You can see it's still listed there, but you cannot play it. And in fact, you cannot find the studio version of the song anywhere on Amazon Music. You can find a live version on albums by The Fix, and it's usually their live albums, but you can't find the studio version anymore, which just kind of makes me nuts because if I had, let's say, I had purchased that soundtrack, doesn't that mean I own it now? If you buy anything on Amazon, no, you don't. It's it's licensed and you know, this is probably jumping ahead in the conversation, but you know, that's one of the issues that uh, plagues startups trying to jump into this. Uh, with Amazon, if you've once bought it, unless somebody pulls it and you know, you need to go ahead and verify who ordered it killed, but that was probably the label pulling it, especially if it's still on the live albums. Uh, it's the issue of what happens if I have a bunch of licenses, not downloads, and the platform goes away, there was a, I forget the name of it, but about 10 years ago, one of the manga streaming platforms did go away. And there was much screaming and there was much justified screaming. And to 
go a little deeper as long as we're on this side of the topic. Do you know why you can only have a license for the comic and not a download? No. Because the majority of comic book properties are owned by media conglomerates at this point. Marvel is owned by Disney. DC is owned by Warner. G.I. Joe is Hasbro. Uh, Star Trek comics are CBS. And the parent companies are the ones that are insisting on the DRM. You can have an arrangement to get a, a download copy, a PDF, a CBR, what have you, from a creator-owned comic from Image, uh, theoretically a creator-owned comic from IDW, things like that. But the rights holders, the actual media owners, will not at this point let you have DRM-free comics. I would know nothing of this having done a few startups in this area, nothing at all. But the biggest obstacle to this, if you, well, let's, let's go back. As long as we're talking about the downloads, when did DRM-free music come about? When Apple had iTunes and Apple had leverage and Apple said, hey, guys, you're not selling enough because you've got this stupid DRM. We're just getting rid of it. And Apple was big enough they could make it stick. The comic sales are not big enough in one platform for anyone to make it stick. And when you try and run a comparison, well, hey, this indie comic you can download and keep, and it sells X, well, none of the indie comics really sell enough to impress anybody, especially when you're talking, you know, roughly 10% of print sales. Well, it could be 20% for uh, indies. A lot of times people will buy the digital copies of indies when their local store will stock them. That's not an uncommon thing, especially if you're not in a large city. But just the numbers aren't enough to impress anybody. If you were to make Superman downloadable and it jumped by 30%, that might get Warners to blink. But looking at uh, Cyberforce, which would be a, a middling indie comic in theory, something like that, you know, those numbers aren't going to impress anybody at Warner or Disney. It's an issue. Then you have uh, creators like Brian K. Vaughn, who has his own website. You know, he's doing, was it the Private Eye? You know, uh, his That's own quite good, actually. Uh, but, I mean, the, the, he's not affected by any of this because he's producing it himself. He, uh, the books are being, as you said, they're being uh, uh, distributed as uh, downloadable digital files. You can read them on, like, say, like a comic cat, you know, an app that's created for something like that. Yeah, no, it's, it really is amusing in a sense that the better comic management uh, software seems to all be for pirated comics. <laughs> well, even the CBR format, doesn't that come from pirated comics? Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> I like winning things on my own podcast. I, I will have you know, I used to write for CBR. When Jonah owned it, I have some standards. Oh yeah, the old comic book resources, which used to be, used to be Wizard with Intelligence, and now it's press releases. But you know, you mentioned iTunes before, and this I, I feel like um, this has been a trend. Uh, as I said, you know, my digital library. I wonder. I don't think uh, I agree with you, Todd. I don't think they're going to shut it down and say you don't have a library anymore. But I keep looking at what Apple's done with iTunes, and 
when iTunes started first, of course it was music and then the, uh, and podcasts. And then when they got into movies, they pushed them really hard. And then they started putting, um, downloadable codes in DVDs the same way that Marvel puts downloadable codes in their comics. And I built up my collection and, but with the rise of Netflix and Hulu and Disney plus, it seems like the subscription model is just, is now taking over the purchase model because now the latest uh, Apple TV OS came out and all you can find is ads for Ted Lasso and ads for shrinking and your own, your own library or what you're watching on the other platforms is buried, buried, buried. So I'm wondering, as you said, with the individual rights being an issue and the licenses being an issue, is that one of the things that's moving uh, the commerce to a subscription model? Because it's like Marvel's app now, you can get Marvel Unlimited. You get everything that's ever been in a graphic novel format, but you know you don't own it. So if they pull you know, Infinity Gauntlet, you really have no case to, to argue. Elliot, you didn't tell him about my last startup, did you? No, but please do. I was actually, uh, this all fell apart uh, when COVID hit. Uh, believe it or not, the first month of lockdown is a really bad time for fundraising. But I was in a startup that was trying to create sort of a Spotify-style market for comics uh, where you could have a subscription that was ad-free or just go in and browse with ads. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I have no problem with that uh, model. I've actually tried to do it. Uh, the, uh, the issue we have right now with this, I actually, to be honest, I read stuff on Marvel Unlimited. I think that DC and Marvel are inadvertently writing for the streaming model more than they are for the single issue model at this point. Well, it's if been you, said they've been writing for the trade paperback for the last 20 yeah, years. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, with these events, they don't typically collect those very well in the trades. Once you get into crossovers and one shots. Yeah. If you're talking about events, it's really a much better way to read it. If you can just go through, okay, main issue, read it. Fine. Tie in number one. Okay. Tie in number two. No, next. Swipe and then go on to the next one. It's a, it's a better way to read some of these. And Marvel Unlimited has playlists for those things. You know, they're like, if you want to read Secret Wars 2, here's the order you can read them in. And at the end of each issue, they'll link well, to the next one. Let me tell you a story, my friend. Please. I just got done with Judgment Day. And I, I had a very, very, very bad late summer, early fall, and I just didn't read anything for three months. So I've been trying to catch up on everything. And Judgment Day, oh my God, there's 10 issues a week. So I'm going through, and in the back of the, the issue, they have the reading order. Like, okay, where's this issue? Oh, this issue hasn't come out yet. Wow, I'm that far behind and this issue hasn't come out. That's interesting. Okay, I'll read something else. That issue comes out, and then I go to, I read the uh, order in the back of the book. And they can't even keep the order of the release separate. Uh, they had two or three titles that like moved eight places in reading order. And I'm assuming they must have just been shipping late uh, to the newsstand. But I'm maybe I'm just getting old, but either you have a reading order or you don't. It shouldn't be fluid. 
Yeah, it's it, they they try to do these rubber band threads of stories. Uh, I didn't read Judgment Day, but I'm reading Dark Web because uh, because I'm a Spider-Man devotee. And then there's but Dark Web is a Spider-Man X-Men crossover, so I'm not reading any of the X-Men. And I'm like, well, with this fluid reading order, I'll wait three months until Marvel Unlimited puts out the X-Men books, yeah, and I'll be fine. And then the newest issue of Spider-Man, they're like, well, you know what happened in X-Men, and and I'm like. I guess I'll keep it in my head for the next 90 days because, because you're right. It, yeah. We are so far from a newspaper type model that you can't just think, all right, next week I'll read this. And next week I'll read this. And next week I read this. Yeah, no. And I, I totally think that it fits a little better with the streaming model than going in and, buying 10 comics and you're pretty sure three of them you're not going to like you just don't know which one yet yeah and there's also the there's also a question when you have a collection in long boxes where do i put this thing that is not connected to any oh, of the thing that's Lord. in my collection yeah yeah um, we will leave my basement out of this <laughs> i just uh coincidentally i just went to the bcw the hard plastic comic boxes the short boxes that have the lid that close and just the fact that I can lift it up and move it somewhere, it makes it feel like it makes it feel like my collection is actually viable again. Whereas when it was set eight long boxes on a floor, it was just it was now part of my floor. But is it as good a workout? No, I'm not getting nearly the workout that I got even pre-pandemic because I don't I don't walk to work much. <laughs> Okay, can we keep this about comics and not about working out? I, I'm not, uh, you know, this isn't that kind of podcast, guys. <laughs> we were literally talking about lifting long boxes, and that made you uncomfortable. That made me exactly. That's because I went to your house and lifted all your long boxes and left them in Ooh, a room you didn't like. No. Oh, well, Elliot one day said, uh, hey, if you want, we want some of these comics, I've got them. Come on over. But they were in a pile of long boxes. So I arranged everything in a room that he didn't want them in and left. And they're there now, aren't they? No, they, they are all finally back. I've moved them all okay. back. Yeah. That was a year and a half ago. Yeah, Who did you trick into moving them this time? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, drunk Elliot did it. Yeah. Sure <laughs> Elliot. Look, I can buy this. I can buy this. Well, and that isn't that that was the allure of digital comics to begin with, is that, you know, we're all longtime comic readers that have these heavy, heavy paper collections of paper that's slowly rotting. And the idea is like it's all on this one screen that weighs about what a three issue trade paperback would weigh. Okay, so I have an even better story. Uh, I've been bouncing between Iowa and San Francisco quite a bit the last decade. And. I was out in San Francisco for, oh, six or seven months, and I was having to come back because there were some family health issues. I needed to uh, give the midnight uh, medicine after a, a surgery. So I put all the comics I'd gotten in basically a giant gym bag, and it was like 70 pounds. And I'm just dragging it on the floor. I'm transferring it to L.A., uh, to fly to Chicago or something like that. And they're having this thing about, oh, we're, we're low on space. You want a gate check? We'll let you check at the gate. So I go over and I hand the duffel to the fellow there and his arm just drops. <laughs> and he's got this look on his face. Like, yeah, no, I know. 
It'd be overweight if I checked it, but I'm carrying it on. That's how uh, that's how Elliot and I ended up with the, the king size Kirby, the hardcover. And you, uh, what was your Avengers one? The the adamantium like, edition. Yeah, yeah was, that that huge freaking thing. That oh uh, yeah, yeah. There was a dealer that sold them to us for seventy five percent off because we knew he didn't want to put them back in his car. <laughs> <laughs> he let, in fact, he let us leave it at his booth. Because we said, we can't rock around the show with this thing. He's like, just come and get it when you leave. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah taking that thing back to the car was a chore. I was working I was working up a sweat. I got to like, pack it now. And I don't know yeah. how I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I switched to mostly digital. Uh, Would have been around 14. I'd, uh, I was back in Iowa taking care of some stuff. The shop selection around here is not great. And the place that I would normally go became very interesting to get to because of bridge work. I uh, crossed the uh, Mississippi into Illinois to buy my comics normally. And there just wasn't anything particularly to my buying habits on the Iowa side. And I found that, well, once you get six months behind, it's very easy to go into the trades and it's very easy to go into Unlimited. And I get a certain number of uh, comics on media lists anyway. And when I bounce back and forth, I don't have to lug things with me anymore. And if you're, Chicago isn't the worst place in the world for apartment size, but you get to New York or San Francisco, yeah, one of those apartments are kind of tiny and you just don't have room for a lot of comics. It brings me to this thought, Todd, okay, because, yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, the moment Comixology came out, as as uh, John said at the top of the show, you know, they would have all these great sales. And I think my Comixology account has – it's the, the number of books I have in my Comixology account is approaching a collection that I've had, my, my print collection that I've had, you know, 20-plus years now. Um, did, did you enjoy the sales this December, Elliot? Why, yes, thank you. <laughs> Todd, Todd, always, Todd tips me off on the sales. But wait, but this is the point here because now, see, I've had all these sales. My, my question is, is the Comixology interface, the app, because you say they're, you know, Amazon wants everything on Kindle now. Is the Comixology app, the interface, whatever, is it going away? Like, will I no longer be able to, like, if that little X uh, icon on my tablet or on my phone or on my Kindle, is that thing going to go away and I'm only going to be able to see my comics in the Kindle app? It's a dead man walking. Oh, man, because that's going to suck. I, I think they formally announced that a while back, but I, I could be misremembering that. But the plan the whole time is to transition it into Kindle. So I should probably go through the list of the questions we should have with this. It's normal for Amazon not to communicate anything ever. They usually don't. When they did the switch over off the Comixology uh, site on the Amazon site, they did issue an apology. And I swear, I think that's really only because Patton Oswalt started screaming about it on Twitter and it got public enough they got nervous. Right. So, okay, question number one. Uh, moving forward, the biggest question 
is whether or not they're going to continue upgrading the sorting features on Kindle. Because right now, I don't think uh, the way you view comics and Kindle is suitable to a thousand comic collection. Uh, Elliot, do you have more than a thousand comics in? Uh, yeah, I've got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Guess I, what, I, guess... I'm thinking I'm around three thousand, and, oh, yeah. and that's including both trade paperbacks and single issues. Oh yeah. So they've got seventy-five uh, percent of the staff has their liberty now. We'll put it that way. Of the remaining 25%, a chunk of them are going to leave around June, and a chunk of them are going to be leaving in October. So the question becomes, what are they doing with these people for 10 months? And as a user, the question you should be asking first, foremost, and very loudly wherever Amazon can see you, is are you going to get me some real sorting uh, functions in the Kindle app so I can manage my collection because that's the thing that's been the most lacking. Uh, the second thing that you would probably want to know about, are they going to improve the user interface for the comic section on Amazon? Because let's face it, it ain't great. It's less great if you're looking for indie stuff. You can sort by publisher to find things for I don't know, something like 10 publishers. There's more than 10 publishers. You should be asking yourself about that. Um, you fellows like the sales. We assume that the sales are still going on. We don't know that for sure. Uh, my understanding is that a lot of these sales are programmed into the system around a month ahead of time. So there should continue to be sales uh, through the end of the month. Uh, incidentally, uh, they've got half price omnibuses right now, and those things are seldom on sale. Just heads up, Elliot. All right. El Elliot needs Captain Britain by Alan Moore and Alan Davis. Yes. Yes. Well, I, yeah, I already bought the uh, Captain Britain in um, MI, MI 17. That was, was, you know, the the a really undersold, underappreciated. Uh, that the Paul Cornell did. I, I they should have they should have branded it Avengers UK and it would have sold through the roof. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The the omnibus is the 70s run. The revival that was originally David Thorpe and Alan Davis. And then Alan Moore tagged in. A fair amount of the Alan Moore Captain Britain stuff was actually initiated by Thorpe. And then the uh, Alan Davis solo run in the Captain Britain magazine, which not as many people have seen, but it's quite good. There's a there's this weird thing that goes on. I remember when I was, I would buy comics on Amazon, and I would buy get the sales on Amazon, or I'd get see them on Comixology. There would even be times when, if I looked at, and this is post uh, sale to Amazon, and I would look at Comixology, and I would look the sales there and I would look at the sales on, on Amazon and it would seem like one side, the comicsology sales always seem to be better than the Amazon. Sales. Oh yeah. And they'd be different. Exactly. So, and then I would find, I, if I would download it into my comicsology app, if I wanted to read it in Kindle, I had to pull it back down again in my Kindle app. Am I going to have to go through that now 
once comicsology is gone? Okay, so this falls under the category of your mileage may vary, unfortunately. When they first switched the apps out, everything was supposed to be auto-loaded into your Kindle account if you had already merged your Amazon account and your Comixology account. Uh, for people with very large collections, which I'm sure you two would never admit you qualify, not everybody got all their comics. There were also some questions of whether the uh, Kindle versions were lower res. And that's an, an ongoing question. Basically, what you have to do is eyeball and compare. And if stuff is missing, get on the horn with the Kindle support and say, hey, it didn't all transfer over. You need to hand jostle it a little bit. And it can be done. Uh, it's just not particularly fast. But then again, uh, you're downloading 30,000 comics. That is going to take a little bit of time uh, straight up. So, yeah, it, it's been clunky. It hasn't really been as staged a withdrawal as it should be. But, okay, so when, this is funny, because these are two crises 11 months apart, which is a, another PR problem for Amazon. Just as people are starting to get calmed down from the Comixology site going away, well, we're, we're firing everyone. And this is not what inspires consumer confidence. Just saying. But uh, the transition from Comixology.com all into Amazon was announced and then delayed at least three times. Right. It was supposed to be not in February last year. It was supposed to be uh, previous October, maybe September. And for whatever reason... It technically wasn't ready. I'm assuming the new apps weren't ready. Uh, that would be the most logical explanation. And if you want to get to the 1st of November, it's a really bad idea to change things up right before the holiday shopping season. So that may be part of it, or maybe they just weren't ready until February. But the entire time, the, the tech stack at Comixology apparently has not been compatible with the tech stack at Amazon, and it's taken them forever to rebuild things. And when they did rebuild things, I don't know about you, but I don't like the current Comixology app as well as the previous one. Yeah, it's definitely been a downgrade. And yeah. and that's the thing I wonder is uh, I understand initially they said, well, we have different servers for Comixology. We have different servers for Amazon. We don't want to pay for both servers. We'll merge them. But if they had the Comixology app that was working and they had the features that were working things like guided view and sorting and they move everyone to kindle why is it that they didn't integrate the features from the comiXology app when that's what they bought is it a matter of spending the money on the dev i'm guessing that's probably what it was i think they're just uh, cheaping out on it and honestly i think guided view is a question mark moving forward until we hear a little bit more I think that was labor intensive. Uh, okay. Weird trivia because I've been around way too much. When I was in grad school, I was interning in the digital department at Marvel. I had this thing where a course got canceled my first semester and I, I needed some credits. And I called up Bill Jemis and said, Hey, you, you got any research you need done? I, I need an internship. And he said, yeah. And uh, I, 
actually created a plan for them that probably looks a lot like webtoons with full issues, uh, except this was 2002. But when I was sitting in that uh, office, I actually assembled the guided view for the dot comics of the Daredevil movie adaption. So Ben Affleck. Yeah. All you're doing is you're sitting in something along the lines of Photoshop or Illustrator, and you're eyeballing the page. Okay, these are the, the sizes I can do. Where do I draw the box so it makes sense and it'll be a smooth flow? It doesn't take a lot of time to do, but it takes some time to do. Well, there's no a, algorithm that does it. You, you need somebody I, to do as it. As far as I know, there's not an algorithm yet. Uh, if there's an algorithm, you probably need the gutters of the panels to do it. Uh, an algorithm could easily break if you're not doing hard panel borders. So as far as I know, there's not an AI for that yet. But who knows, maybe that's one of the things they're working on moving forward. But if that was labor intensive and they got rid of 75% of the people, well, you know, let's wait a month and see what was in the pipe and what wasn't. I don't know this. I'm just making an educated guess based on staffing and based on having done a little bit of this. Most of the things about Amazon, like I said, we, we know what questions to ask. We don't know the answers. Right. And now we, we mentioned Marvel Unlimited and DC has their equivalent. Uh, Comicsology has no fingers in that pie, right? That is... No. Uh, the DC app proper, where you buy new issues in the Marvel app proper, those, I believe, are still powered by Comicsology. Yeah, and there were reports that the um, the codes that come in the comics weren't working the week after they laid everyone off. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. I'll give you another one that'll make you laugh. Uh, the sale prices were normal this week, but last week they had items that were on sale in the Marvel app that didn't have the right price on Amazon for the sale. Same sale. And now, so, if, and if you put that in your cart, they're going to charge you whatever yeah. pathway you came in. They're yeah, not going to adjust it. You, no, this is on sale. Yeah. But if you, well, it wasn't on sale because they didn't have the pricing. But if you bought it on the Marvel app, you did have the sale price. So yeah, this, and this has been going on for a year. Uh, after they switched over, it was very common, more so with the DC sales for whatever reason. Uh, DC sale would drop on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, those weren't the right sales prices. Sometimes they weren't even the sale, any kind of a sale price. And then they would start to update, and usually by Thursday, maybe, you'd have actual sale prices. And some of them never actually updated. So the integration with Amazon has been problematic and rushed the whole time. Uh, the assumption that a lot of people are making, it wasn't ready. Amazon wanted to get on with the long-term plan of bringing Comixology into the Amazon brand and said, well, then we're just going to have to do it however ready it is. And again, not putting customers first like Amazon is supposed to. Right. Not sure that motto holds up quite as well as it did a decade ago. Well, I always find that there's a limit to customer service depending on the size of the company because it seems like the needle tips over from the customers to the stockholders at one point. Yeah. Oh, it, it done tipped. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know if this is a, a, a sidebar or part of it, but uh, as I mentioned, the digital codes that have been in the comics, I had been adding those for the last three or four years just so my library would be up to date. Oh, and yeah. I've noticed in the last year 
randomly week to week, it would switch between peel the sticker off and here's your code. And then the next week was like, no, email us and send us a picture of the comic. And it would just go back and forth with no pattern. And I'm wondering, is that an Amazon thing or is that a Marvel thing? That could be a supply chain thing with printing. How hard is it to get a hold of those stickers? Ah, yeah. So it could be a sourcing thing. Yeah. It, I, did you know that there was a secondary market for those codes? Yes, I've seen them on eBay. A lot of people buy yeah. the issues that don't check them in and then sell the code for 99 cents. Yeah. I wrote an article about that uh, Blu-ray uh, redemption as well, the ultraviolet codes. I wrote about that for the next web a long time ago. But yeah, no, that, it's uh, an interesting little, it's kind of like selling stamps. I, I got an entire run of the um, the Darth Vader series on those codes alone. You know, there was a comic, <laughs> uh, it was a comic shop in Texas, I believe. They would sell them online. I would just get them regularly. You know, well, there was a debate too with those stickers. I remember, uh, and I'm, I'm sure Todd, you were on top of this, whether that affected the secondary market value of the comic. Was it a damaged comic if you'd peeled the sticker? No off? one wanted to answer that question. Right. It's, it's, it almost reminded me of the, like, say, uh, Amazing Spider Man 238, which is the first Hobgoblin issue, has a, a tattoo attached. And if your copy has the tattoo, it's worth twice as much. So people were wondering, well, if no one checked in my code, is my book going to be worth twice as much? And you're right, it, it's uncharted territories. And when you're talking well, about secondary market, you're always looking towards the past. Yeah. I asked around widely about that. And no one would answer the question. Uh, logically, it should, if the sticker is intact, be worth more and be considered mint. Uh, should it be considered mint if the sticker's been removed? I wouldn't think so. You might need a, a separate grading guide for that era. But nobody wants to address that question. Yeah, and, and I'm guessing nobody's addressing what's going to happen moving forward, whether Marvel's going to keep this going or... Well, and I know DC's never done it inside the books. Well, everybody has a lot of questions right now. But, you know, from my perspective as somebody who's been on the, the back end of this, we know that digital sales have gone down since the Comixology website went away. Uh, ease of use is a problem. Uh, getting people to understand that it all moved over to Amazon if they're not reading news sites can be a problem because most people don't read news sites. It's just how it works. Uh, I'm assuming that we're having another consumer confidence problem right now and sales have probably taken a little bit of a hit as people are being a little flustered with cause. So has Amazon with their attempts to streamline their internal processes will be polite uh, caused enough of a sales dip that it negates the extra discount marvel's getting from them for being an exclusive because the second marvel stops being exclusive and stops thinking it's in their best interests that's the point that you start seeing some real competition for digital comics it's extremely hard to fund a startup We'll throw out the consumer confidence that you're going to be around in five years and you can still read your books. Just getting funded. If you don't have DC or Marvel 
preferably DC and Marvel, it's hard to get funding. It's hard to get users to come in if you don't have DC and Marvel, because most people read a little bit of DC and a little bit of Marvel, and they don't want to have to read their comics in three different apps. I've always called that the Tower of Babel problem. Uh, that's a real thing. So looking forward, we need to see if Amazon has managed to maneuver their way out of an exclusive with Marvel because they've tanked the sales for them. Right. And that's a very real question. But again, we don't have data. We have a lot of anecdotes, but we don't have data. Yeah, and that's deliberate on Amazon's part, the same way Netflix doesn't release ratings. Oh, I sure wouldn't want to release data right now. Oh, no. Does this mean a revival for print comics? You know, because people were talking so much that digital comics were going to be the death of the comic shop and floppies and yeah. like. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> well, what the data showed was that it opened up this new audience that weren't going into comic shops. So there were very few people that abandoned print for digital, but it sounds like what Comixology is doing is taking those people that came in, just shaking them real hard to see if they fall off. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, we don't know if this works in digital because <laughs> again, this is all new, but when a comic shop closes, a good chunk of the readers that go to that particular store just don't find another store. Uh, so let's say people start moving to Apple iBooks to buy comics, just hypothetically speaking. How many people who are at Amazon don't move over to Apple? Or if Google started selling more of them, how many people just wouldn't move over to Google? And at this point, I don't think anything's going away. There are a lot of people out there that have been thinking that all comics are going to disappear off Amazon because they fired the comicsology people. And I do not think that is the case. Uh, they absolutely aren't going away through October because why would you pay that many people Amazon-style salaries if you're not keeping anything? Much cheaper to cut the cord unless you have some sort of a massive kill fee with uh, an exclusive contract. And, and let me be the first to say that the Google Reader is one of the worst comic book reading apps. I, I would, they would have great sales. I would buy an omnibus or two, and I'm going, oh, this is garbage. I don't even know why I bought this. I mean, I have, I have, I don't know how many Star Wars omnibuses on Google Books. I don't even look at them because I can't like that. Well, well, then the other question is, how much can Amazon afford to piss off Marvel and DC? Because this is not just affecting their digital business, but they have the relationship for the graphic novels, which is a big business on both sides. Well, okay. So for the graphic novels, it's not a matter of pissing off Marvel and DC. It's a matter of pissing off Penguin Random House because the bookstore distribution is handled through, I believe, Penguin on the DC side and Random House on the Marvel side but I could have that uh, reversed. So the book distributors handle that. Uh, I think that the digital relationship is direct at this point, but Amazon is a quarterly report stock-driven company. If the ROI is not there and it goes away, nobody at the top is going to sweat any bullets. I think they're trying to get this thing where the ROI is a little more in line with everything else they're going to do. 
which it looks like to me, and I, I could be wrong about this. I'm, I'm looking in from the outside, but it looks to me like they're trying to get the data flow automated. They're trying to treat it like any other section of the uh, site. So you're going to have two or three people that are the comic book subject matter experts that handle the front page and handle any problems with the importing of the files. And the idea is probably to get a whole lot more hands off with it. So it runs itself a little more automatically and your ROI increases. And there has been, and I'm not telling you anything you haven't seen with your own eyes and sworn about, a problem with the way that book navigation works and the way that comic navigation works, particularly for single issues. Uh, things are just sort of different. You'll notice that one of the things after the merger, uh, the comicsology folks went in and created a slightly different display interface for the sales, where they'd actually put things in alphabetical order, which is not a sort that you have for regular books. And that was just trying to get the various series lined up in a row, which again, not something you see with the normal book search. So there are a lot of UIX differences between comics and books. And it's one of those things we don't know if they're going to finish fixing or not. Right. There's not a lot of authors that write 700 of the same book. Well, Perry Roden, but <laughs> <laughs> other so than that. So Todd, as, uh, as you said, we don't have any data. We don't know, but, um, I, what would your prediction be? Do you think do you think they fix this, or do you think they just live with a much smaller audience than they used to have? And and as long as they made the well, stockholders it, happy, it might not be much smaller. It, it depends what goes around outside. I think if Marvel stops being an exclusive, you're going to see some people uh, peel off to different browsers where uh, someone cares a little more about the sortability of the collection but you have to have marvel leave first or i'm sorry not leave widen how many people are allowed to sell the single issues uh, right now and everybody ignores this you can buy a digital trade from anybody you want it's only the single issues that have an exclusive hmm. um, but i think we will see how much of the uix gets fixed in the next 10 months but whatever doesn't get done by the time the last comicsology person leaves, it's not going to be a very rapid improvement. I think that, um, well, I, I just don't know. We need a couple more months to see what the next update is in terms of functionality. We should see something. Uh, it's entirely possible that something like the sales they don't want to dedicate a person to going through all that and there will still be sales and the prices will show up with a discount, but you won't have a main page to see what's on sale. It'll if be like you, any other Amazon item. Yeah. And you know, Elliot was talking about the difference between sales on the two platforms a few years back. Well, a few years back, you didn't see what all was on sale on Amazon. You went over to Comixology to look at the list. And then you went back to Amazon to see if it was the same price. We could be back in a situation like that. Uh, there is, and I haven't done this myself, but apparently there is a way to make custom lists in Kindle. And 
some of the people with uh, collections of your size have been going through and putting a lot of uh, elbow grease into creating specialized collections so they can view things by titles on the display. And here's the button for all my Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man, et cetera, et cetera. And essentially creating shortcuts. And maybe that's how you have to do it. Um, if we weren't in a tech meltdown, I would expect uh, Amazon or Google or can't really expect Nook to do anything these days. Maybe Kobo to spend a little time looking at this and seeing if they could horn in on the market, probably emphasizing the trades a little bit more. But, you know, there is an opportunity for somebody who's already got the accounts in there to have a little better uh, presentation because the sorting is such an issue with large collection. You've got a couple startups that are trying to make some noise right now. Uh, global comics, which until such a time as they have a few more publishers in them, I would have to consider an also ran. There's a certain number of publishers that if you have anything up, they'll just give you some content and they're happy if you sell anything. And that's not really enough to base a business on unless they're a whole lot better at pulling in totally random people than anybody else ever has been. Uh, there's another one that we don't know anything about. They're just jumping up and down, shouting, look at me, called Omnibus. Good luck with SEO on that name. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they'll find out about that the hard way. Uh, they're claiming they're going to have all sorts of uh, publishers in that, and they've got a better UIX. And, hey, it's not hard to have a better UIX than the Kindle program right now. Just saying. Uh, we don't know what they've got yet. They've at least got some interesting tech pedigree. One of the problems you have, if it's a bookstore model like uh, Amazon or uh, Apple or Google, you don't always have the right comics industry knowledge on staff. And that the larger, more tech-oriented companies, it can be hard getting comic book people through the interview process. The bar raiser at uh, Amazon, I'm sure, has killed a lot of people who would have been very good at comicsology, quite dead in their candidacy. Uh, if you go to these uh, startups, you get comic book people, but you don't always get business people and you don't always get the right tech people. This omnibus thing is interesting because there's some real tech cred behind it, but we'll have to see. I can't tell you what it is right now because they're not out and they're just saying that they're talking to people. You know, tell me about your letters of intent to provide content. Now, that's a document. That's something. Uh, the fact that you're having an app, that's nice. Uh, and, and maybe they'll be better than uh, just the hype. But until we see some of this, it's probably going to be one of the major bookstores that makes a move if anybody does. Hmm. If we weren't having all these layoffs, I guarantee you somebody would be sitting there licking their lips going, oh, this used to be a really big growing market 10 years ago and Amazon screwed it up and they just fired everybody. Oh, oh, opportunity knocks. But you're not seeing that at Apple. You're not seeing that at uh, Google. Good Lord, Google's laid off a lot of people the last month. Yeah, it's been it's been a real bloodbath. And then, so then does Comixology, is that another casualty of this tech meltdown or is that 
a way to cover what they were always going to do to it. I think or a little just, bit of both. I think it just accelerated the plans. They're very interested. Every tech company right now is very interested in cutting costs and appeasing the activist investors. There's also a little bit of, oh, what was the phrase? Um, a friend of mine at one of the large companies sent me a article by a Stanford business professor. Uh, he had a, a very MBA term for uh, copying what the other guy did. This company laid off, well, I better, they're going to think something's wrong with me that I'm not. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that going on too. And that, that's imitative a lot of the behavior. That's it. Imitative behavior. Imitative behavior. And that, that's also a lot of what we heard about the recession, whether we're going to recession or not. Well, if you lay everyone off, chances are we're going into a recession. It helps. Yeah. It's, if people don't have jobs, they tend to not spend as much money. Yeah. So we're, we're in this weird little bubble where we don't know what Amazon's doing. We haven't had time for anybody else to react. We're hearing about some startups that had already been moving in this direction. They're not ready to launch anything of a scope that could replace comiXology. They're trying to position themselves in that way. But if you're a single issue reader and Marvel is still stuck in one place, there's only so much of your reading you can move to another platform. Uh, it's kind of like the old joke, you have to have a union card to get a job and you have to have a job to get a union card. Right. It's like, yeah, or you have to be working to get an agent. Yeah. You have the to have an agent to get work. The two things that have stalled out uh, digital comics, because remember, when Comicsology ran out of uh, steam, and I'm of the impression that Okay, I, I should back up a little bit. I was working in a digital publishing startup just before Comixology sold. I was specifically working on integrating print-on-demand with eBooks. But one of the things we were looking at was the comic book space because color print-on-demand had just come online, therefore it just became viable. And I was keeping a close eye on Comixology because you know, if you're in the business, you have a, a little bit of an idea how long somebody's runway is going to be before they need more money. And late 13, early 14 was not a great time for funding. And there had already been a couple of implosions. So I was figuring Comixology, August, maybe August 14, July, September, somewhere in there, they were either going to have to have another round of funding or they were going to have to sell. And they ended up selling in April, so they might have been a little ahead of schedule. Uh, the uh, Up until that point, they had a, a huge growth curve. I just didn't think there was any way they could be profitable if they were giving away the uh, royalties to the publishers the way I had heard they were giving them away to get them in the platform in the first place. Very, very low margin. But it was growing every month. So when they uh, got snatched up by Amazon, who probably had the best offer, uh, Amazon, within a couple of months, declared war on Apple and removed all payment systems except the internal Amazon payments. 
the second that you remove them from Apple Pay, everything froze in terms of growth. Why? Because at that point, pretty much the only device that was really good for comics was the iPad. You didn't have a lot of good Android tablets at that point. I don't know if the Kindle Fire was around yet. Uh, and it just froze the market out. So that killed growth in one point. The second thing is Marvel has maintained that exclusive. And in business school terms, that's their moat. If nobody else has Marvel and Marvel is the number one publisher, you control the market. So the combination of these two things has frozen everything. We've got a few more people that are trying to get around the Amazon pay issue, but Marvel sticking there. I don't know how that's going to work. Right. And just, I'm not going to say why I know this, but I do know that Marvel was having second thoughts about uh, renewing that uh, exclusive last time it came up. Maybe they were just talking all over the place to get a little competition and juice the offer from Amazon. But I think they had so much backlash from Amazon putting all those comics at 99 cents that were the first week of release uh, that they got a little nervous. Amazon was capable of screwing up their relationship with the direct market. And Amazon almost did. They were lost leadering a. You remember when uh, Jim Starlin was doing the Thanos hardcover original graphic novels? Right. Yeah. There was a big. The Amazon I'm, blew that out immediately. Yeah. 99 cents day release. And this was not a single issue. This was like a full graphic novel. That's a $34 book. Yeah. I bought it. Release. <laughs> that's the only, that's the way they got me to buy it. <laughs> and the way, if I understand this properly, Amazon initiated the sale. Marvel didn't authorize the discount. Ergo, Marvel was getting paid like it was a $34 book every time somebody bought it for 99 cents. Lost leader, they were trying to get people to buy on Amazon. And they were trying to get more people into it uh, it's a very common practice for amazon get people in with low price and then as you've got them the audience locked in crank the prices back up except nobody stayed <laughs> <laughs> but that got well brian hibbs over and uh, comics experience in san francisco who i know reasonably well when he realized that was going on uh, he had a fit and I don't blame him. He was afraid that he wasn't going to be able to sell anything on the shelf because people were able to buy it when they woke up before they even go to the shop for 99 cents. And he was going to zero out all his trade orders. And a lot of other retailers were ready to zero out all their trade orders. If someone hadn't pre-ordered it. And I'm sure for some of these retailers, that would also mean prepaid. They didn't want to have a copy on the shelf that was unreturnable. They were afraid everyone was going to buy it for 99 cents. And it was interesting because this all kind of went down at a C2E2. Not that you two have ever been to a C2E2. No, not that we've ever been to all of them. <laughs> but then C.B. Sabolsky had just come in as editor-in-chief. And I don't think he'd been briefed very well on this because he was stumbling his way through attempts at explanations. And... 
I remember having the conversation with Hibbs because he was in for the, the retailer uh, show for Diamond that was the day before. And everything CB was saying sounded like something that was in the Amazon playbook. But he said it with so little confidence, you weren't sure if he was making it up or not. And I, I think it was just literally he did not get well briefed. It blindsided him. And, but it turned out to all be Amazon's doing. And Marvel was able to talk them into getting rid of those sales. And now if you look at the, well, here, let me uh, pull this up and read it to you myself. They have a tag when they sell the uh, digital comics. Hold on. Let me find one. Just a second. This makes for a very compelling conversation. <laughs> oh, the the long sure. delay between. <laughs> and it's not show. Yeah. Sold by Marvel Entertainment US, price set by seller is what it says underneath the buy button on Amazon. So right it's now. a disclaimer. Yeah. Amazon is not setting the price. Marvel jolly well sets their own prices now. Yeah. So this has been a rocky history yeah. uh, since the beginning. And uh, Elliot shared the article with me that I found the article really compelling and uh, this conversation even more so. Todd, where can people read the article and where can people find you online? Oh, you can't. I'm under witness protection. We're recording you and putting this out as a podcast. <laughs> That's why there's no visuals here. <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have to alter his voice. Alter goes out for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you can find the article over at comicsbeat.com, and it's probably in the business news section. If I recall correctly, yeah, it was a very, it was a very, very compelling read. But uh, I really appreciate you walking us through this. You don't get this in depth on the business of comics very often. So, uh, and obviously, that's what makes the whole world go round. So, uh, uh, Todd, it was so good to have you here, telling us why our app sucks so bad. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> Uh, and for uh, our next part, we'll talk about how Marvel tanked their own unlimited app when they redesigned it. Ooh, that'll be that'll be a good extra episode. <laughs> and you can follow me at Not On My Book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics for all the news that's fit to geek. And don't forget, if you want to see our video streaming podcast, The MCU Review, where we cover one MCU movie every episode. We just finished Infinity War. We'll be moving on to Ant-Man and the Wasp very, very soon. You can find that on Facebook and on YouTube and anywhere you can find video podcasts. They also come out as audio podcasts the week after they air. And don't forget, you can also see our new video podcast, Top Men and Indiana Jones Podcast. Very excited about this. Not only is Raiders my favorite movie ever made, and I always want to talk about it, but we've got great guests lined up, and we can't wait to bring that to you. But either way, you can listen to this show next week.